Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. He finds me over him, like shaking him, like saying, yeah. Don, Donald, Donald, <laughs> wake up. What is happening? Was, I, was, I was back in the bar. Oh, God. The newspaper contacted me this morning via telegram to interview Monsieur Nadar. I fear for myself. I fear for those around me. But I know I must do what I am tasked with doing. Bonjour, monsieur. We have heard of you are an expert. I'm sure you are, like us, like all of Paris, excited about this this flying machine and, and all it might entail. I won't believe that it can fly. I, I, I can't imagine the the design. It makes no sense. It, it, it can't have flown. No, no, no. I, I think I know what the problem is. I think the man dreams too much. That photograph is me when I was 25 years old. Something about this moment snaps. Montgomery Hogg from reality. It can, it can, it's rewritten. It can all be rewritten. It can be rewritten. I can write it. I can rewrite it. Reality can be rewritten. None of this is happening. You aren't happening. Nadar, Radon, Calvin Leith, Carcosa. It, none of it has to happen. Monty, I need you. I can't do this by myself, Monty. Monty, Monty. The night floors, sometime in the past, or the future. David Langford didn't know where he was. He had come into the McAllister building to do some work on the cable, and he was sure that he'd been told it was a three-floor building. He was going up to the roof to find a connection that he needed, but he hadn't been able to find it. Instead, he found more floors, and something about them just didn't feel right. David strolled along, trying to find his way back out. It was proving more difficult than he expected. Have I been drinking? I didn't think I had been, but I feel drunk. Why can't I get back downstairs? Up ahead, a tiny clown ran across David's view and into a room, slamming the door shut behind him. Somehow this didn't strike David as odd. He was more... intrigued. David approached the door and knocked. He hadn't been like some of the other kids growing up who were afraid of clowns. He liked clowns. He thought they were funny. He hadn't seen one since he was a kid, though, but he thought now was the perfect time for a bit of a laugh. When no one answered the door, David decided to try the handle. When he found it unlocked, he walked into the room. It smelled stale, a mixture of body odor and alcohol, as if whoever lived in this room spent far too much time inside it. He looked around and saw an open briefcase sitting on the bed, some old-timey-looking clothes scattered on the floor, and a man sitting in front of a typewriter at a desk in the corner. The man was typing furiously, and for some reason also had ink all over his hands. David thought that was strange, but he'd heard that writers could be quite eccentric, so he didn't think too much of it. It looked like the man was writing a screenplay of some sort. Maybe he worked for one of the TV stations. David looked around for the clown, but didn't see him anywhere. At that moment, the man turned around and saw David, and he smiled. Hi there. Welcome to my room. I'm Montgomery Hogg.
Well, Tommy, thank you for still being with us here on the the start of this next episode. Thank you for for rejoining. Glad to have you here with us. Um, I want to talk before we get started about how you think this experience with Monty losing his grip on reality affects each of your characters. Maybe not in the 5, 10, 15 minutes after it happens, right? Because there's so much up in the air. And this may shift based on the, you know, the rest of the events that play out. But how do you think being around, being involved with this will affect your characters emotionally uh, moving forward? How do you think they're interpreting it? How are they experiencing it? I think Donald is, is you know, I think the fact that Monty's not like dead, that there's there can be some like thought of, well, maybe he'll, you know, wake up. But I think that. Donald's probably pretty far gone by it. It's probably really, really the exact wrong time for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that he probably, assuming that like we, you know, when we rejoin, we'll have, we'll be wherever we are. But like Percy or Manu will be like, this is what happened before this all went down. Like, this yeah. is why my guess would be Donald is, is going to focus like all of his rage and all of his like anger at Radon. The, mm-hmm. the, ca- the captain of the dirigible. And so, like, he'll move forward with the plan of, of getting on there and everything. But it's like, it's 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 more manic than it was. And it's like, he probably in the back of his mind is like, it's, this is all the work of that Radon. And I'm going to I'm going to get even with. Him. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's the possibility for acceptance? Right. Like if you talk about the stages of grief, like, do you think there's a possibility for acceptance for Donald eventually? I, th- I think there's a possibility for him eventually. And I think that. It could an earlier stage could because of the you know the nature of his character an earlier stage could present more as acceptance or he could even think in his head like I've accepted it and because I've accepted it now I must kill Radon like you know <laughs> right. what I mean yes, like yes I, I think that I don't know I don't know about like the long term prospects for Donald Braith's sanity I don't think it looks good I don't know if there's ever a point where he's <laughs> yeah. like. Monty was an important man in my life, and I miss him, but I'll honor his memory forever. Like, I don't think that that, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, the the current circumstances don't make me think that that's on the table. But I think some perverse form of acceptance is, is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What about for Manu and Percy? What do you think uh, this experience does to them emotionally? I think in Manu, it like solidifies, it, it makes her feel... Like, she needs to be stronger. Like, in the last Supernatural experience, like, she was very much looking out for Rose and felt guilty for getting her into anything. And this one, like, she entered in on her own. Like, she's not pulling anyone in in with her. And she thinks that because they're, like, one of their leaders, I don't know, is out, like, she needs to kind of step up to the plate. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What about long term? She's not, like, frazzled or distressed that much right now, surprisingly. Okay. It, like, focuses her. Gotcha. All right. What about Percy? Yeah, I think... I mean, I know Percy and Monty were not close, but I think he looked up to him in, you know, his own way. And I think he had been opening up to him a little bit more, um, you know, as a writer, etc. And I think that's hard for him. I, I think also he's someone who... You know, he has has this sense of foreboding about his own life and this fear that something will happen to him suddenly and unexpectedly. And seeing this happen was sudden and unexpected. Like, the fact that the reaction was to something seemingly kind of banal and something that Percy himself 
did not react to and seemed pretty normal to him, something he could process easily. I think seeing that that's what kind of pushed him over the edge is really hard and really scary for Percy. Yeah, yeah. So one of the reasons I asked that question is because I think I want to fast forward a little bit. Um, I want to fast forward in time a little bit because I think there's I think there's going to be hours probably of waiting in the hospital, wondering what's going to happen mm-hmm. to Monty, maybe some anger at, you know, medical personnel who say that, you know, that they that they don't have an answer right now, that they don't know he's, you know, he doesn't really seem to be aware of what's going on around him. You know, he's scribbling things down on paper, like all of this, all of this stuff. And I think you all have just described out of character how your characters will kind of approach that. And so I want to fast forward to kind of the end of the night this night. You've all been sent home, you know, whether it's Donald who probably was sitting by Monty's bedside until they kicked him out of the hospital or Manu and Percy maybe doing that, maybe doing something else, right? Like, you know, trying to take care of Donald as best they can or whatever it is. We're going to fast forward to the end of the night. And Percy, you arrive back at your apartment and there's a telegram waiting for you. Oh, no. I think he opens it immediately. Yeah. It just lists a time and a location. 10 p.m. at the Tour Saint-Jacques. And you would know that the Tour Saint-Jacques is a tower in the 4th arrondissement in the neighborhood of Marais. It's, a, it's like the medieval heart of the old city. Um, and it's all that's left of a church that was destroyed during the revolution. It's just a tower. Mm. And it's the only it's the only thing that's left um, of a church that was destroyed during the revolution. It's a church called Saint-Jacques de la Boucherie, Saint-Jacques of the of the butcher, of the but, of butchers. Mm. And after the massacre of the commune, the park surrounding the tower became an impromptu mass graveyard. And I think with your occult skill, you've heard people talk about there are rumors that, you know, kind of people have seen arms jutting out from shallow pits as they've walked around the area or heard the moans of people buried alive still in this area. So it's a kind of a very spooky occult place. Um, and this is this is where you're instructed to go the following night. Excellent. I mean, I think Percy is hoping as soon as he sees, he makes this association with a kind of occult and dark and foreboding place. I think he's hoping that it's Casilda. Because the last time he went to a sort of occult-themed place, granted one that was amusing and tourist-friendly, um, that's exactly what happened. So I think that's the first thing that pops into his mind. Okay. Oh, he doesn't think that's the auction. I think he thinks that everyone huh. will go to the auction together. Okay. And that there will be more fanfare and kind of drama about it. Mm, okay. All right. And so then the other thing I'm going to do before we actually go to the following morning... Um, oh, you're the only one who gets a telegram. We're not waiting to see if anyone else got something. The other, you, neither of the other what? two, of you receive a telegram. <gasps> Just assume. Oh, okay. Is like I'm going to have you. I'm going to have you each roll a composure check for what you went through on this day. Um, and the the situation uh, is we're going to say is someone you care about is in severe distress. And so I think for Manu and Percy, you can decide whether the person that you're rolling about here is Monty or Donald. Uh, because in different ways, they are both in severe distress. Uh, Donald, this is, of course, for you, representative of Monty. So let's actually start with you, Donald. 
Okay. Well, Would you I like to spend s- anything? I still have six in my pool, but I mean, this really does feel like it would be kind of a a naked roll, but I guess maybe maybe he's just sitting there and hearing the doctors and like having time and space between it. Like maybe he got to a point where he realized like this will not be fixed tonight. Like uh, maybe there's like a degree of like a sort of perverse acceptance. Like, so maybe I'll spend one. Does that okay. feel fair? I think you kind of talked about kind of a potentially a grim determination to follow this through. Yeah. There's yeah. also a like, and, and not to cut in on this, but the like, and also not to be too morbid about it, but when you lose someone close to you, there is the period that obviously there's a really like intense period of emotion right after it, but there's also that like sort of empty, I got to keep going and doing the things yeah. that I'm supposed to yeah. do that happened shortly mm-hmm. after that. I'm wondering if maybe that's kind of the... Yeah, I'm thinking I'm actually going to spend two, if that's okay. all the same. Yeah, I like it. So that takes like me it. down to four. And, and do you have do anything my... that's affecting this roll? Any cards that are affecting this roll otherwise? Uh, yes, I have. I have the out of control, not minus one could po- composure just to contain my emotions and destructive urges. So should I have one off on that? Then? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we're going to I think we're going to say no on that one. OK, so just roll it with a plus two. Roll with a plus two. It is a five on the dice, a seven total. Seven total. Okay. Manu, what about you? I have eight composure, so I'm going to spend two, maybe three, but I think two. Do you think um, you're more worried about Donald or Donald. Monty? Donald. Okay. I think with Monty, like, again, she does not know, did not know him that well before. So she's, of course, worried that he's not well, but she doesn't realize, like, behind the curtain like just how big this is it's Mm -hmm. like oh we've seen some weird things and now he's not okay and that's so sad like we need to take care of him but it doesn't make her like scared for herself i don't think she is worried about donald because like the reaction of seeing that and then attacking an old man in a restaurant is alarming and like she also saw like the blood on monty's pants so she's just like more concerned if he's like involved in these like very unsafe yeah non-supernatural behaviors yeah. So I think two, I'll spend two. Okay. And I am rolling a four. Okay. So that's six so total. That's a six. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Percy, do you think you're more concerned about Monty or Donald? I think Monty. And I think, I think I'll spend one. I don't think I could spend more than that. I feel like, I feel like Percy is relatively shook up by this. Just watching how sudden and dramatic it was and the fact that he was right there and this guy just seemed like a bumbling old man and sort of like catalyzed this whole experience for Monty. I think that's really unsettling. So I think uh-huh. I think the fact that he wasn't super close to Monty before kind of dulls that a little bit and maybe he's just kind of not totally sure what to make of it, but I think it it scars him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Go ahead and roll. So I rolled a two, which is a three. Three total. Okay, so that is a failure. Um, So you're going to take the minor shot card pity. Pity? Yes, pity. Do you think that uh, that's a good representation of how uh, Percy feels at this moment? Yeah, definitely. All right. So this says uh, pity shot card. Lose two health and two composure when you make a push. You receive this hmm. card through concern for another discard by at least partially alleviating that character's distress. Oh no! <laughs> That's going to be tough to do. So, so that may be wait, sticking around get for... by alleviating Monty's distress because he said that Monty was the person he was concerned yeah. about. So mm-hmm. that one's going to okay. stick around with you, I think, probably for the rest of the scenario. It's not a continuity card, so at least just for the scenario, yeah. it'll stick around. 
that's going to be hard. I also don't have any pushes left, though, so... Okay, well, that's good, at least, for you, then. Listen, right. I'm ready to inspire both of you so much. <laughs> Three pushes, so... Um, okay, so um, you all wake up the following morning, and I assume, again, you've made plans to potentially more somberly than the day before meet up and decide what you're going to do. Um, Percy, you've received this telegram. It's up to you whether you want to bring it up or not. And theoretically, the uh, the the flight is meant to leave tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm gonna just we're just gonna set us back at La Vougra. It's still very rainy, cloudy, and I imagine the mood there is rather somber. Yeah, I think they're just kind of sitting there, kind of. I imagine there's not much conversation going on, but I think. You know, Donald, in an attempt to kind of soldier forward, is like, I suppose uh, we can expect to hear about the auction at some point today. Yes, I have a feeling they'll they'll find us. They will find us, no? They, they must. Oh, they always do. Manu, like, definitely expected to wake up and, like, have an invitation. Like, she is starting to get a little bit nervous that nothing has happened yet. Like, it makes mm-hmm. her kind of antsy and want to, like, mm. go out and find one or something. Yeah. Percy is also not going to tell them about the telegram. Mm-hmm. You said this, uh, Radon was, made you feel fairly certain at least you two would be getting an invitation, yes? Oui, but that was, that was over a day ago now. That was, some time has passed and, and the word none. Well, who knows what the time, timeline is on things like this. I'm sure this individual will be trying to make a big public splash of the invitation so we needn't worry we needn't worry I think Manu pauses and she's like yes and Donald you you still plan to to go how uh, are you all right oh yes yes I I plan to go I nothing to worry about I'm all right so I think as you're talking um a newspaper is delivered to La Gras, kind of lands on lands near the front, and you see another headline um, that just says "another attack," and it seems like another kind of passerby has been killed in a very similar way, with kind of a, a broken spine, as if have, as if having suffered a, a, a great fall, but this time outside Sacrecour. Oh shit! Oh no. Percy is also thinking about the creatures he faced a couple weeks ago because mm-hmm. random passersby suddenly having grievous injuries is not something he would have expected to encounter a few times in two weeks. So I think <laughs> I think this is in the back of his mind. You know, previously it was a, a creature of some sort, and I think he kind of wants to go investigate now. Yeah, I think Donald is probably also in the mind to investigate because I think that he kind of had a pull to do it the first time and then just didn't, you know, he's not certainly not going to be like, I told you guys. But I think that he will probably like look at the story and just kind of mutter to himself like and loud enough that they can hear him. So if they want to, you know, piggyback off it, it's 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 connected. It's always it's always connected. They're all it's all connected. You think that this is is more than an an accident? There's not someone climbing who slipped and fell both both times. I I certainly wish I could believe that, but but no, Miss Kasut, no, I, I I think this is connected somehow to the whole thing. We must go. We can, if nothing else, we can we can warn people to to stay away, not not to climb. Vanderbilt, 
Yes, yes, of course. Now, do you think we'll find the dirigible there? Perhaps someone tried to do what we did and lost their battle with the winds. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly a theory. I, I would not be surprised. Shall we head over? Okay. Yes, yes. Let me pay for a cab. So your plan is to start at Sacre-Cœur and see um, yeah. what you can see there? Do a little light investigating, yeah. Okay. Uh, you arrive there, climb up the hill, and the craft is there, fully inflated, mm. tethered to the church. As much as it pains me to say it, Percy, it looks like you may have been on to something. And Manu's going to ask if like, we all still see different things. Because now at this point it's three people and we all see something different. Correct. And yes, you, no. do all, you, you all still see it the same way you saw it the first time. We I see it the we, same. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The steampunk thing? No, no that's, how, that's how Monty saw it. Yeah. Yeah, like oh. the bunch of yeah, balloons. Did he up, ever right? We see the up. Tell yes. us that? Yeah. We hear that music from up. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's me and Monty having our lovely roommates and then he dies. <laughs> and I, I will also mention it was, um, it got brought up in the Nadar discussion. That yeah, the way because yeah. he, he saw, saw it, it the same way that I saw yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And so the only person who doesn't have a that. no one else has seen a fish like Manu yeah, has, yeah. But. You're the only one who's seen the fish creature. Okay. So she's like, no, duh. He mentioned that the the ship, the craft is too too heavy to fly. What I see is is not heavy at all. It is light. This this is part of why Monty is is unwell. And I think that the mention of Nadar and Monty just me just makes Donald walk with a purpose forward away from the conversation. Like he's not talking about that. Who's going to keep talking to Percy then? Like he's yeah. strange, yeah, yeah, yeah. no? What? What I do think you Percy, see? Percy turns to Manu and starts to wax poetic a little bit. And if by light you mean light in beauty and and form, but not physically, it's you know it's quite clearly it's a. A beautiful mass of thousands and thousands of balloons all together, <laughs> and seem like they may just drift away. But, Percy, I... This is not what I see at all. What is this Rodin? What can he... Rodin, what can he do? How is this happening for us? I think Percy inside thinks that Manu is just kind of lost in her sort of own world, as happens sometimes, and he, d he doesn't really dwell on this. He just sort of dismisses this as like, yeah, that's how she is. It's it's girlish fantasy. Is what it yeah. is. She's like she's like I was right. I can't take Percy seriously at all. Like it's just me and Donald out here. Like okay. One of these people has his head on straight. At least he's taking this seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess I got to do everything myself. The picture of sanity right now, Mister Donald Bray. Um. It doesn't seem like there's much in terms of evidence around here, though. Like, they've whoever has come and collected the body, like, there are not police officers around or anything like that. From a more general sense, like, if you want to look into the death, uh, these two deaths, how would you go about doing it? The police. Yeah, the police. The gendarme. Okay. Because we do have the, we have Percy's bribery ability. We have the, we have our mm -hmm. officialdom, our mutual officialdom. Yes. We yes. have miscellany, which could include like cop speak. We have a lot. We give. We could really get to the bottom of this. So I think the best path is is to talk to the police. And I think that Donald would go with that plan because I think Donald's killing time. Like I think it's just it, if we have something to do, at least I'm not just sitting at the hospital. So sure, let's do a murder investigation. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna say that you all kind of spend the day 
following a variety of leads. You go talk mm-hmm. to the gendarme, you talk to the local detectives, you talk to even maybe you're able to get the names of a couple of witnesses of people that found the bodies and you talk to them. You go to the morgue, you even see the bodies. You know, it's like a it's like a montage scene where you're like checking out all these leads and talking to This is to where the music from up plays. Yes. Oh look, her spine snapped in half. And every bit of evidence points to what I think you all feared from the beginning. That the things that you encountered when you climbed the scaffolding have killed these people. Either they went up and got knocked down, or even they were picked up and then dropped by these things. And it doesn't, like, the the police aren't thinking that, right? They're not thinking about some sort of wind creatures doing this. But I think in your minds, the evidence all points to that. And I think it's getting on in the afternoon as, as you're kind of coming to that conclusion. None of you have received telegrams during the day. There seems to be no sign of that. You know, there. it's not like anyone has made an announcement that invitations will be sent. Like, I think everyone in town is really still talking about it um, as if as if there has not been resolution yet. And I think one other thing comes to mind for all of you, and then you can all kind of discuss maybe even out of character, because Tommy, I'm curious to get your your take on kind of the path forward here as well. I think the other thing that comes to mind for, uh, I think, specifically Donald and Percy, because the two of you have had more involved interactions with Camilla and Casilda at this point. All the talk has been about some sort of game or contest that's going on, right? And I think I think this you're, the investigation thus far has been approached as like, here's a bad thing related to all of that that we need to try to figure out. But, like, they're not on the same side. So I think you all kind of start to wonder, like, what exactly, like, what exactly is going on here? Who's doing what? And how might that help us figure out what to do next? So I'm curious what you all think about that. I think uh, let's, let's start at least out of character. Just, like, what do you think's going on? Like, what do you think the, pa- the right path forward is, given all the information that you have? Hmm. I think um, now... Refresh my memory. Has at any point over the course of this season, has Donald has because I think has Percy mentioned he mentioned Casilda in front of Manu when they were at the table, and he didn't like go into it. He was just like, "Yeah, she's a lady." Has he mentioned the name in front of Donald at any point? He has. He did. He did one time um, when I think when Monty brought her up the first time. I think Percy said, "Yes, I know her as well." I think that Donald, when he meets, the, when he starts to put the pieces together, that like they're on opposite sides and we don't know what anybody has. And like Monty had contact with Casilda, but Donald was, you know, didn't tell him when he could have. But I think it, it, it registers that, wait a minute, Percy has spoken of Casilda and I have now met uh, her sister. So maybe Donald thinks like, when they get a private moment, when he can talk about this just one-on-one with Percy, maybe, maybe they can pool their their knowledge and see what, you know, what they can make of it. But I think that he's not necessarily going in completely like, here's everything. I think it's cagier than that. I think it's okay. like, let's see what he tells me. 
I'll see what I'm willing to tell him. Yeah, I think Percy is sort of the other side of that coin where he is curious about Camilla, but I think he, he firmly puts himself in Casilda's camp right now. And I think I, I think he also doesn't fully grasp the stakes necessarily. Like I think he hears that and feels that there's a game of some sort between them, some sort of competition. And I don't even though he just encountered it a couple weeks ago and it had serious and deadly stakes, I don't think he is positive that that's the case this time. Because I think mm-hmm. The balloon has an element of whimsy. He met Radon, and Radon seemed fun and kind mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. eccentric and weird. And I think that's the type of person he gravitates toward. So I think he is. He also wants to speak to Donald, but I think he's going to do it on knowing at least inside that he's on Casilda's team for now, and just trying to get a better sense of how they fit in potentially to this whole thing. Yeah, and, and I think a, I think my question is. What What is Casilda's team in this situation? Or do you think he's not thinking about that? I don't think he's pieced that together yet. I think okay. he's hoping to tonight. I think his expectation is that he'll meet Casilda tonight and some of those things will fall into place. But I don't think he knows. I think he kind okay. of sees these as not totally separate things, but sort of separate things. And honestly, okay. as a player, I, I have no idea. <laughs> really trying yeah. to figure that one out. Tommy, Sarah, what are you thinking? I feel... Well, you probably have more thoughts than I do, so maybe I'll just go first. Like, I don't... Manu doesn't know about either of them at all. Like, she... What she knows about Casilda is that Donald mentioned that she was, like, someone he was interested in and he was willing to, like, n- look a- another way because it could help his art, sort of, is the sense that she got. Percy, Monty, right? Monty, yeah. Percy. Ma- oh, Monty, Monty, not, Monty. Monty, not, uh, Don- not Donald, yeah. Okay, so she's heard that name and she knows that, like, Percy's interested... Monty was willing to, again, like, do some, like, shady kind of things for the sake of art. And then I don't think that's a main concern for her because she hasn't heard the name that much. And okay. nobody other than me has interacted with Camilla. And nobody knows that I interacted with Camilla, right? That's correct. Like, yes. Nobody correct. knows yeah. that I've had that meeting. Okay. And, like, I guess for Manu also, the only time she's seen these, like, supernatural horror things, it was, like, the Duchess. Yeah. And the Duke. And so she's like, are these connected? Like, are those what the sprites are? But she do- it doesn't all seem, like, woven together for her. Yeah, and then I, I think, Mikey, the only other person that you have a suspicion spoke with Camilla was was the doctor. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I can't go talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's too late. When you had the ring. Percy is also not, not into Casilda because of his art or anything, really, although that's part of it. I think Percy is also just interested that a mysterious and seemingly powerful woman has taken a liking to him. And that was kind of enough to move him into her camp. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so as a player, what I was... Obviously, Monty did not get a chance to get to this point where my brain has been and where I was... If if Monty had had more kind of time to interact and like deter, talk about the whole Camilla versus Casilda, there's some sort of game going on thing. I think what he would have advocated for is that we obviously still don't know their motives. It seems like they have each come to, like, now both sides of this have come to us, you know, us and people that we know. And so it seems like whichever side you're on is kind of a losing proposition that it, these two sisters may just be using people as pawns 
as mm-hmm. just part of the game and just playing everyone against each other. And that there is no good side to be on. You're just on, they both are represent some sort of otherworldly power and mm-hmm. whichever way you end up, you're in danger and you're being used. But Monty didn't get a chance to get to that point. <laughs> Maybe in his head, that's what's going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of the used. like circus music that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... So I, I, where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Because I think the I think the day continues to pass. No invitations seem to be forthcoming. No real breaks in the case happen. I think that uh, then why don't we uh, at a certain point, whenever we're all together, I think Donald and and uh, Percy would find a solo moment to kind of discuss the situation. Like I think Monty would kind of ask Monty. I think Donald would be like a Percy, may I have a word with you? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, You mentioned uh, earlier in our little adventure here that you have spoken to, uh, interacted with this Casilda. Yes, yes, I have. Just just very briefly, but she she made an impression on me. She was was quite mysterious. It was hard to tell exactly what she wanted, but she ended up sort of helping me out a little bit. Helping you out how? She just... Well, she... She worked with me just a bit. I, I can't say much more. It was it was very brief. Did she mention a sister? A sister? Interesting. Do you think that, that maybe that's what's going on here? I've been told before, uh, Mr. Vanderbilt, that I am not first in the art of subtlety, so I suppose I should just speak directly. I have interacted with this sister, this Camilla, and... She made it very clear that her Casilda sit on opposite sides of what she called a game. Uh, and in this meeting, she appealed to my interests, which are my own and which I aim to achieve. So I suppose I have cast my lot in that sense on the opposite side of the aisle from Casilda. And I reiterate, my interests are my own and I will achieve them. And I, I wouldn't stand in my way, no matter where you believe your allegiances lie. So, very good. Okay, I have a like a metagamey question that we can edit yeah. out. But how I forget how much does Percy actually know about Camilla? I think he knows that she's like, you know, the other side of this duality kind yeah. of, and that's about it. Yeah, I don't think Donald knows any more than that either. I think he's just assuming, like, all right, if you're Team Casilda, I'm Team Camilla, so that's going to be a problem probably, huh? (laughs) I I don't want any spoilers, too, but I think Percy associates Camilla with some of the events toward the end of Season 9. Oh, yes. Uh, So, yes. So so you definitely know that Casilda said that the whole plan with the creature was Camilla's plan. Yes, okay. And I that she was asking she you that. all that, and that she was asking you all to help her stop it from happening. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. I couldn't. And then really, you and him. then you recalled on her to have her help you stop it from happening. Yes. Wait. The creature was Camilla's plan, and Casilda was like, "Help me stop it." Yes. That's what Percy thinks, at least. Well, that's, um, and I think she I think she mentioned a little bit about the game as well. Yeah, yeah. But is Percy not shocked to hear that like Donald's on the team of this like bad sister? I think that's what he's about to address. Yeah, but. okay. 
I also think Percy is not necessarily okay. shocked because I think he like, thinks <laughs> he, he like looks up to and respects Donald. But I think he thinks he's got a little bit of particularly in the past couple of days, some dark things going on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. OK, so I think Percy mm-hmm. sort of says, well, well, that's that's very interesting because from everything I've seen and heard, Camilla is a force of evil in the world, not of good. And Casilda has worked with me directly to support good and noble causes. I think Donald, with with sudden aggression, not like not violent, not going to try to hurt you, but I think it's like forearm, like up, and like if we were standing, let's assume we're standing against the wall. So kind of like the classic up against the locker move. So like just kind of pushes Percy back and like gets real close to him and like in his ear is like, my friend walked the path set out by this Casilda, and he sits in a hospital bed scribbling, scribbling, scribbling. If that's a force of good, well then I suppose, count me on the other side. There's there's no need for this. No, perhaps these are just two, two two paths to the same goal. Not not good and evil, but just two different things. Perhaps perhaps I'm wrong. I think Percy is actually kind of shook by this because I think yeah. until now he would not have made the connection between Casilda and what happened to Monty, but I think he mm-hmm. cannot avoid thinking about it. Mm. Yes, perhaps. So I think he walks away. Like, no further, you know, he's not trying to, like, create animosity between the two. I think it was just, like, a very clear statement of yeah. purpose. <laughs> so I think it's getting on into the evening, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Percy, I think the, the time is coming up for you, but maybe you have this new thing to think about. Um, and how excited you may or may not be to see Casilda. What's what do you think's going on for him post this conversation? I think he's still excited, but I think he has questions. I think he wants mm-hmm. to know more about Camilla, and I think he wants to know what Casilda would think it would mean if Camilla got close to Percy. If that makes sense. So I think he's thinking of you know if Camilla has invaded our little group like Casilda has, what does that mean for us? Are we mm-hmm. pitted against each other now? Are we also pawns in this? Yeah. Does he try to break away from the group at, you know, 930 or whatever? Yeah, I think discreetly when he needs to. I think he'll just say sort of, oh, my social agenda calls again. And seeing as we have not received the invitations we expected, I shall go pursue a diversion and hope that they arrive. I think Donald's kind of just... When he says it, he kind of stares a hole through him like, all right, you go do that, bud. Like, <laughs> just not, not like I know where you're actually going, but just like a look of like, all right, have a wonderful evening, Mr. Vanderbilt. Manu is going to like misread that and think that Percy's like not taking this seriously and is like, whatever, I'm going to go party. And she's like, all right, fine. Donald and I will wait and we will like get our invitations and go to the auction and like, we'll do this, I guess. Or just like she leaves and she's like, Donald, where are the invitations? Should we just wait at the Sakakura? We must be at the auction. Yes, we must. We must. We could just wait at the cafe across so that we can see if there is any motion. Did you see where uh, he went that night? We were at the the Basilica. He, he They retired to their quarters. Did, did you see where they went? No, it was down the hill. We could ask around. He is quite famous at this point. And we have his photograph. <laughs> and I think that Donald is kind of even like, ah, wow. That's, yeah, we do, I guess. And he, he smiles at, at Manu because he still does. Like she's, she's a bit of warmth in his life. And he says, lead the way. Let's see what we can find out. 
Okay. So you're gonna go try to see if you can find Radon again? We'll find Radon, find something. Like, we're, I think we'll be proactive in our search for invitations or, like, I think right. waiting is just like, what if, you know, what if they don't come? Like, what if- Yeah, I don't think Manu find, could just wait. Exactly. He'll find us if he means to find us. So why not go looking for him? Yeah. Gotcha. All right, so Percy, you make your way to Tour Jean-Jacques in the fourth arrondissement. And as you approach, you get a little you get closer and the tower itself, uh, I think you might maybe you would know this. Um it's a, there's a particular it's it's gothic, but a particular gothic style. It kind of gives the faint impression of lit flames as you're looking mm. at it. And it is interesting in that it's, you know, it was once part of a much larger church, but it really is just only this, you know, somewhat narrow tower that's quite tall that stands mm. uh, in the middle of a plaza. Is there anyone around? It's just deserted or? It, not immediately when you arrive. Do you want to kind of sit and watch? Do you want to yeah. immediately yeah, think... go through the door? No, I think Percy will take some time to step a little bit back and just watch until the allotted hour arrives and see if someone's coming to meet him, something like that. See if it looks like there's someone meeting someone. Okay. You, over the course of maybe 10, 15 minutes, you see a few people walk up, look up at the tower, pull something out of their pocket, look at it, put it back in their pocket like a piece of paper and then walk through the door to the tower. Hmm. I think Percy goes in the door. Okay. As soon as you walk in, um, a, a pretty large man looks like, you know, a bouncer of some sort stops you. And kind of over his shoulder, you can see that a crowd has gathered inside this tower. And he stops you and he says, here, put this on. And he hands you a masquerade mask. It's red with gold jewels. Uh, it's got kind of a, a like a like a a, a a feather sticking out of the top, and it's just the top half. Is this the auction? So it's jealous. red. Interesting, huh? I think Percy puts it on, and he sort of he steps into the room to mix with the crowd, but kind of at the back of the room near the entrance. <laughs> Seems like there are a lot of people in here, and the the masks are of various colors. They are not all red. There are green oh. masks, blue masks, yellow masks all scattered about in this room. It seems like people certainly think this is the auction. Damn it. As do I. <laughs> um, I, I mean, can Percy, Percy's a man of culture and society. Can he just walk up to people and make sort of idle chit chat and of course. try to see if they've picked anything else up? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what, uh, what interpersonal skill you want to use society here? That probably makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Society. Okay. You talk to people, you try to get a sense of who people are, even though it seems like there's so, you know, that that whoever is, that Radon desires some level of secrecy here, people seem to be very open with who they are. And the major theme that you pick up about who is here is that everyone is extremely wealthy. <laughs> Percy fits right in. Your friends. Does he know any of these people? <laughs> Yeah, you nice. probably have you yeah, they're probably people that you have that you have interacted with that you you know, you've okay. gone to parties with or whatever, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's not trying to be someone else, so I think he introduces himself by name. He's a little flamboyant and starts bragging about, you know, all sorts of things to one up all these individuals. Um but I think he's also scanning the room carefully to look for Radon since he has seen his face. Okay. 
Um, you do not see Radan. You also don't see the mask that looks like the one that you've seen Radan in many times at this point. And it, it, as the as the as the hour approaches and it passes ten o'clock, I think there there's more and more of a buzz in the room about um, you know where is he? When is this going to start? Like what's the holdup? Until about fifteen minutes after ten o'clock. When you hear a booming voice from near the front of the tower that says, Ladies and gentlemen, messieurs et mademoiselles, welcome to the auction for the Pearl of the Hyades. And you see that you see Radon is like up on a balcony holding the same megaphone that he shouted down from the from the uh, from the craft when he was up on the Eiffel Tower. Um, and you know, they're kind of a, kind of a hush falls over the crowd. I think Percy tries to get as close to Radon as he can, and I think when he does, he sort of slightly pulls up his mask or something to just show his face to Radon so he can see him. Okay, uh, you think he takes note of you um, and kind of maybe gives you a slight nod. Um, and Radon says, "Now I know many people have been wondering how this would work, and." How many, how many spots we would have on the flight. I'm here to tell you, and he holds up uh, a, a set of, like, cardboard tickets, basically. says that we have six spots for the trip to Aldebaran that we will be auctioning off tonight to the highest bidders. We will go one ticket at a time for the auction. Each ticket will be, will be bid on separately for this trip. And at that point, you see a couple large men, like the ones that you, the one that stopped you when you walked in, and they're walking around, like, handing out, like, auction, um, like, placards, you know, that has, like, a number on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, to all of the assembled people. And once that has been done, Radon kind of quiets the crowd again and says, all right, it is time. Let the auction begin. And at that moment, Romeo sends trouble chest, test. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you can choose how much you'd like to spend, please. Yeah, I only have two left, and I am going to spend both of them, I think. Okay. Why um, Why do you think? I think Percy knows that as exciting as the possibility of the auction ask actually is, one, he was preparing to meet with Casilda and everything that that entailed, so I think he's prepared for something weird to happen. And two... Despite someone who has always gotten everything he wanted with money, he suspects that that's not what's actually going on here. It doesn't feel right to him. Mm. It feels too easy. This is someone who's used to getting everything easily. And I think he knows what that looks like when he sees it. And this doesn't feel like that. Okay. Mm. Astute. All right. So I spend two. I rolled a two. So a four. A four. Okay. So I think... You're looking up at Radon as he holds up the first ticket, and you see over his shoulder a gargoyle. You know, it's a gothic church. There's a gargoyle. Uh-oh. A statue of a gargoyle over his shoulder. It's laughing. And it, you see just for a second, I think you see its eyes blink, and then all of the gargoyles that are scattered throughout the church, they were perched up high inside the church leap down onto the crowd to attack. Oh my god. 
Oh, and no. so we're gonna, like, move, we're gonna we're whenever gonna move six in. rich people survive get to go. <laughs> we're gonna move into combat here. Um, Me but with only, a bunch of randos. <laughs> just yeah, you 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 and the gargoyles. You and the gargoyles. <laughs> what Aim about for these the other cheek. rich people? Aim for the cheek. <laughs> <laughs> these are not my cards. These are standard gargoyles. Oh okay. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I'm no. so sad that Monty won't be isn't around to witness more gargoyles. <laughs> yes, I no, was going to suggest like, well, you know, because maybe when we walked out, we see a lot of people moving towards there. So maybe like our investigation is like maybe something's going on there. We should follow there. But now I'm very, very glad we're not. There. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us and the wind sprites. So I think one thing you notice amid all this chaos, I think you notice. I think you notice this right when you first saw the gargoyle's eyes blink and then it, that that particular one leapt down is that Radon, the, the face he made when he saw the gargoyle, this was not something he was expecting. This is not his oh. plan. And he tries to run immediately as soon as oh. that happens. But then you are beset by gargoyles, and so you need to, <laughs> we need you. Interesting. We need you to choose um, what your uh, what your go- objective for this combat is. As much as I would like it to be topple, I think it's probably <laughs> escape. Okay, so um, you're you're gonna you're just gonna try to get away. Yeah, I mean there are what you said six or something gargoyles. Oh, it's a lot. It's like they a were they were gargoyles. all they they yeah they were like. At various levels of the tower, they were set up yeah. perched that way. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's dozens of gargoyles that have yeah. come down to attack this crowd. Definitely escape. Um, all right. Escape. So, you've now that you've declared your objective, uh, you need to decide on a spend. And that could be athletics or fighting? Uh, I think in this case, it's just fighting. That's your, that's your only option. Great. Does, I only um, have two left. I'm going to spend two. <laughs> Does okay. Percy lose anything for being the only investigator participating in this particular fight? He, he does not in this case because this was not an opt-out situation. Okay. It's not it's not the fight the fight was introduced and then people decided to not be a part of it. Okay, gotcha. Um so no, he but but actually uh this particular creature does have an adjustment for it being against one character, so you know, that's still still somewhat relevant that he's by himself. Not good. How are you trying to escape in this situation i i think like anybody percy's instinct is the door he came in but is is that where radon is going or is he going like backstage or something yeah he's it's seemingly backstage like wherever he was before seems to be where he's trying to go so i think percy his instinct is even stronger to follow radon and i think he catches this note on his face that this is not a trap he has set necessarily this is a surprise for him and i think despite the fear he you know he's kind of the prize here anyway so he's going to escape back where radon is going okay um do you pull out your uh do you pull out your knife yes yes definitely (laughs) in case you need to fight through some gargoyles yeah um all right and so you said you had two and you're spending both yes all right go ahead and roll for me please so i rolled a three to five it's a five total okay yes so you start running kind of through the crowd almost because everyone else, almost everyone else, like it seems like people are either they have gargoyles that are landing on them and they're falling down 
or they're trying to run out the back the door that you came from and so you're kind of moving against the crowd um and you're you know you, you're shoving people out of the way you're, you're trying to get up you're trying to like watch radon as these gargoyles are descending you're trying to avoid them a few times you like step around a person and there's a gargoyle in your path and you kind of dodge out of the way or maybe you swing with your knife to try to like knock a blow away and you see that Radon has gone back and started to run down a set of stairs it, that looks like it's, he's trying to run down the stairs to get to a back entrance that's like behind at, at the back of the the back of the tower. And you start chasing him, and I think you lose sight for just a second of where the gargoyles are around you. And one lands, drops down right in front of you, and slashes out, and you get cut across the face by the claws no. of this gargoyle. But then you're able to kind of hit it over the head and continue to run uh, and chase after Radon. So you are going to get a, a minor injury card here. Um, it's called Gargoyle Strike. <laughs> All I'm right. going to read it to you. Uh, minus one to physical and focus tests. And at the end of any interval, roll a die on an even discard. And an interval is kind of a, a somewhat ambiguous uh, period of time between core clues. And so I'll let you know when the interval's over. Okay, cool. Yikes. That's intense. That was not what you I are able to swipe to the face. <laughs> but I think you are able to rush out the back door behind Radon, and you see him almost in a in a panic of fear trip over the sidewalk as he is running out. And so you're 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 almost standing over Radon and it doesn't seem like anybody else has tracked him in the same way that you have. I think I kind of grab him sort of like by the scruff of his jacket or something, but not aggressively, because I think Percy feels like he's not the cause of any of this. He kind of sympathizes mm -hmm. with him. And I think he, I drag him into a, an alley or something and mm -hmm. just say, like, let's get away from here. Yeah, he, he, he goes with you. And we've reached somewhere safe and... Yeah, 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 kind of out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Percy starts to just question him. Did you know this was going to happen? What did you have in mind? No. No, I, I, I plan to, to do the auction just like just like I expected. I just, I was just looking for the highest bidder. So you didn't plan to get the wealthiest people in Paris into a room just to murder them? No, I planned to get the wealthiest people in Paris in a room so that they could give me as much money as possible. <laughs> well, I can't blame you for that, but... <laughs> do, you, do you have any idea how this happened? Who, who have you spoken to about this? Who have I spoken to about this? Everyone in Paris. <laughs> but I did not think that the I did not think that the location would be revealed. I I I don't know how whoever it was that caused this found out. Did you those were those were gargoyle statues that came to life? Yes, yes, I saw them, and I know you wouldn't believe it, but that's that's not the strangest thing I've seen in the past couple weeks. <laughs> I think Percy kind of like slaps him to get him to come to his senses. Are you going to are you going to kill me? No, of course not. What? I'm a Vanderbilt. I don't need to kill you. Well, you're kind of like waving you... your knife, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think, um, where, where are, um, Manu and Donald right now? Out and about trying to, trying to gather an invitation. Somewhere. Walking around. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think of where to bring. Well, I guess Percy will turn to him and say, do you have someplace well, safe to go? Why don't you come with me? You would have known that Manu and Donald were, like, hanging around the soccer court like they were gonna maybe 
sit at the cafe or look for yeah like, Radon. Yeah, Radon. I don't know. Yeah, so- I, I don't know if I have somewhere safe. I, people know where the craft is docked. People, people know where I live. I, I don't know where I can go. There is one place I really want to take him. Just I want to take him to the Cabaret of Death just for fun. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't know if Mundu and Donald would know to go there. Uh-uh. I, he says, I, I need to hide. Uh, here, take these. And he, he holds out four tickets to you. Just here, take these. We'll, we'll work out payment later. And that's where we're going to end our story for now. Yes! Nice. Nice work, Percy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was wild. All that you was got unexpected. was that gargoyle swipe. It looks so cool. Yeah, Percy's yeah. got a little street cred now. <laughs> <laughs> Which gargoyle was it? Was it Goliath? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy along with the music from the Yellow King Suite, written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. <laughs>